O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by, yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting There's something about going home, going back to the place of your childhood. For some of us, it brings back, um, for some people, it brings back bad memories. But for most, it, it stirs something in our hearts. The friendships are precious, but there's something special. Uh, all friendships are precious, but there's something special about friendships that go all the way back to our childhood. Last Wednesday night, I had the strangest experience. I was getting ready for bed, and I was turning out the lights. Uh, Susie had already gone to bed, and I heard a, an audible voice. I heard a voice, a person from my childhood, calling out for me. The true story. At first, I attributed it to too much plum pudding. <clears throat> Uh, but the voice persisted, calling out for me. It was a person that I've known for 55 years of my life. It was a disembodied voice. The person whose voice I was audibly hearing was in a different state. Uh, I've only seen this person a handful of times in the last 30 years. I wasn't just recalling the person's voice, I was audibly hearing it calling out for me, Carl, Carl. That's when I realized that I had randomly butt-dialed one of my oldest friends. <clears throat> Someone from my childhood, my childhood next-door neighbor, who I've only talked to just a handful of times in the last 40 years. <clears throat> and we ended up having a very nice visit. Her name is Eva. Eva is the daughter of my good friend John, who died a couple of years ago at, at Easter time. So you remember the story. Uh, uh, I remember walking through that with me, and I appreciate that. Um, but the reason, um, uh, part, part of the reason I like Eva is because she is so much like her dad. She reminds me of him. She is loud, tenacious, determined, strong, she runs a business, and she is in a rock band. <clears throat> so she is, a, uh, she is a, a strong person. Uh, like her dad, beneath the exterior, she is a person who loves deeply and is fiercely loyal to her family and friends. What I'm trying to say about Eva is that Eva is not a person easily intimidated or brought to tears. Unlike your pastor, uh, she is not a person who cries at Hallmark commercials. She's a tough, a tough person. Eva and I grew up together in Oxford, Michigan, and attended Oxford High School. And Eva told me that when the news of the shooting came over the radio, she pulled her car over and wept. 
you are probably <clears throat> not surprised that I did the same. <laughs> I wasn't driving at the time. I was with my mom, but it, it immediately brought tears as that was unfolding. We talked about the fact that this shooting hit us harder than other shootings because it occurred in the town where we grew up. There was a connection there, and we reacted differently than to other shootings. Now, a question you could be asking is, Carl, this is the Christmas season. Why bring up a mass shooting during a Sunday morning worship service? We like thinking about scenes like this in our Christmas story. But we must also grapple with scenes like this. Today's Advent candle is the Bethlehem candle. Bethlehem was the site of, next to the crucifixion of Jesus, the most horrific story in the New Testament. A story referred to as the slaughter of the innocents. I'd like to suggest that we ask an interesting question. God... Why did you place a violent story about the death of children in the nativity story? We need to take Christmas on God's terms, not our own. We need to let him tell the story as he wants to tell it. And there are parts of it that will never make a Hallmark movie or a Christmas card. Bethlehem, like Oxford, was a town forever scarred by the brutal murder of children. While the prophet Micah predicted that Bethlehem would be the birthplace of the Messiah, the prophet Jeremiah predicted that it would also be a place of mourning and of great weeping, a place where innocent children would die at the hands of a vicious tyrant named King Herod the Great. Jeremiah wrote, This is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Ramah was a, a small village about five miles from Jerusalem. It's known as the burial place for Rachel, a hero from the Old Testament. The villain in the, in the nativity story wasn't a fellow student. He was King Herod, Herod the Great. Herod was a complicated character. And it gets kind of confused. There are like five different Herods in the New Testament. So this is Herod the Great. Herod the Great was a very complicated character. Ethnically, he was uh, an Arab. Religiously, he was a Jew. Culturally, he was a Greek. And politically, he was aligned with the Romans. His connections and his shrewdness helped him rise to the pinnacle of political power. He answered to Caesar, and he ruled Judea. Herod the Great is known for his many magnificent building projects, but he is also known for his insecurity, his paranoia, and his brutality. After rising to power, his life disintegrated. He married ten times. He murdered his wife, Miriam. 
Afterwards, he would wander the palace, calling out her name, asking his servants to fetch her. And when they failed to find her, because she was dead, uh, he would have them beaten. Herod the Great was so afraid of losing power, he also killed two of his favorite sons, leading to the popular saying at the time, it is better to be Herod's pig than his son. If you were his pig, you had a longer life expectancy. Herod ordered that the crown prince be held in a dungeon. He repeatedly attempted to end his life. When he knew that his death was imminent, he ordered his army to arrest thousands of notable leaders from across Judea and imprison them in Jericho. The reason for this is that he wanted lots of weeping at his funeral. So he had an order that upon his death, all of the leaders were to be executed. Fortunately, the order wasn't carried out. When Herod the Great heard of Christ's birth through the Magi, he ordered that all male children in the region under the age of two be killed. Joseph and Mary took Jesus and became refugees living in Egypt. I believe that to truly celebrate Christmas as Christians, we must take the story as it is. Not a sentimental tale, but a real story that took place in a real world, not all that different from ours. Took place in a story where those in power grew increasingly wealthy off the backs of the poor took place in a world where people longed for justice, a world where racism and refugees were a reality, a world where children lost their lives at the hands of evil people. The slaughter of the innocents depicts the depth of evil that Christ came to redeem. If a gospel story can survive and overcome the atrocities of Bethlehem, it can survive and overcome atrocities like those that unfolded in Oxford this week. And now, uh, just like then, the key to maintaining a hope in a violent, unpredictable world is anticipating the second coming of Christ. The fulfillment of God's promise to create a new heaven and a new earth where weapons are beaten into plowshares, where lions lie down with lambs, in a place where people of all ethnicities, languages, and tribes will stand side by side, worshiping God forever. That is our hope at Christmas. Remember last week we talked a little bit about Advent, the history of Advent. The first two weeks of Advent are designed to help us long for the second coming of Jesus Christ. To, not just to reflect on the, the Christmas story and all of its beauty, but to realize that a time is coming when Christ will return and rule with complete justice and with complete goodness. In the book of Revelation, John wrote, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude, that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. 
They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell down on their faces before the throne and they worshiped God saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And one of the elders who was standing near Christ's throne said, Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is the hope of Christmas. A very real hope for people who live in a world that, that sometimes frightens us, sometimes harms us, and, and often leaves us longing for Christ to come and to rule again. Praise Band is going to come and lead us in another song and prepare our hearts to come to the Lord's table. Yeah. 